0: At the beginning of John chapter number 6, Jesus starts out with 5,000 followers. They wanted something from Jesus. And by the end of the chapter, he's down to 12 men. He has a littling factor or a uh, belittling. Now, I don't want to say belittling because he's not belittling. But he, he has a way of whittling things down to nobody really wanted to follow Jesus after a while, because it seemed like it's going to be too hard to follow Jesus. But notice, in chapter number 6, all the way down to verse number 60. Gail, you help me if I get the wrong verse, okay? Does it start with, many therefore of his disciples, when they had heard this, said, this is an hard saying. Who can hear it? When Jesus knew in Himself that His disciples murmured at it, He said unto them, Does this offend you? What, and if ye shall see the Son of Man ascend up where He was before? It is the Spirit that quickeneth, the flesh profiteth nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are Spirit, and they are life. But therefore some of you that believed not, for Jesus knew from the beginning who they were that believed not, and who should betray him. And he said, therefore said I unto you, that no man can come unto me, except it were given unto him by, of my Father. From that time, many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. Now, I want you to keep that in mind. Jesus is just teaching them and just talking to them, and just showing them how they're supposed to follow Him. And um, verse number 66 is a very pivotal point. He says, from that time, many of His disciples, not just people that were following Him, the disciples, you think they would be the ones that would stay close to Him. Then said Jesus unto the twelve, not just the ones that walked away, but unto this closest inner circle here of twelve individuals, will ye also go away. Then Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. And we believe and are sure that thou art that Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus answered them, Have not I chosen you twelve, and one of you is a devil? He spake of Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon, for he it was that should betray him, being one of the twelve. Boy, it's an interesting passage that we've read. We didn't get into all the the details from the beginning where uh, there was reactions from Jesus' teaching, there was reactions of the disciples and reactions of the people, and it seemed like they all wanted something from Jesus. Just like, it seems like, That's the normal course of events when you talk about Jesus. What can Jesus do for me? What can I get from Jesus? And we've got an eternal life. If we're saved, we've got an eternal life. We've got more than we deserve. We've got so much more than we deserve. But here Jesus is teaching them and trying to tell them, uh, you know, that it's a matter of choice. It's a matter of fellowship, not just discipleship. It's a matter of following Jesus, even when it's hard, even when there's difficulties. It's easy to walk away when things get tough, isn't it? I mean, in a job, I used to have a guy that, uh, he, he used to say this, well, it's time to go to the hospital again. And so, said, what do you mean? Well, I'm just bored. And he would, he would get injured on the job on purpose and get our bonus taken away because we had a safety bonus uh, just because he was bored. And it was too easy for him uh, to fall into that category. He, was, he wasn't liked by very many people at work, of course. But when things got difficult or things do get difficult for Christians, people walk away from church. People walk away from the Lord. And um, you know this is just this is a natural course of events. This pandemic that we're facing—it's a natural thing that God has allowed to come into our life to strengthen our faith, to help us to grow. You, you say, "Well, I, I don't want to get sick, and I'm afraid of getting sick." All of us don't want to get sick, but it's to help us focus on Jesus, the healer, the great physician. It's it's to help us. See, the importance of our life is just a vapor. It appears for a little time and then vanishes away. And so Jesus, uh, if He's doing anything in these verses, He's issuing a call to what we consider to be commitment. Commitment. People are committed to their causes today. People are committed to the wrong causes today. But when you're committed to the right cause, you have a right to... Do what God wants you to and, and preach the word with fervor and, and to live the gospel, not just talk about the gospel. It's easy to talk about it when it really doesn't affect you, but now it's affecting everybody. This whole idea of Jesus being the center focal point of our life and inviting people, we're stronger together. Where That's the whole theme of Back to Church Sunday, stronger together. We're trying to invite people to come back to church. Even though there's some intrepidation, there's some fear. Some people don't want to come back to church. Some people say, well, it's safer. I won't get sick if I watch it on TV, online. And so Jesus is, is issuing this call to commitment to his disciples, and he knows that many of the followers are merely there for what they can get from him. And and sadly to say, there's a lot of people who are like that even in today's society. They're only interested in what they can get from Jesus or from the church or from Christianity or from, uh, you know, what God has for them. And he's not willing that any should perish. He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. The Bible says so. And I remember I remember selling candy bars. I loved selling candy bars back in the day, a long time ago. I was trying to win a bicycle. And um, the bicycle that they had was, I think, a 12-speed, it was a nice bike. But I was just a little guy, and I couldn't fit on that bike. And I was going to win the bicycle. I was determined to win the bicycle. I was about seven or eight years old maybe a little bit younger, six, seven years old, something like that. And I I had a little box of candy that I was going around selling and trying, want to buy a candy bar? Well, Dad was preaching at that time at different churches. And so while he was uh, out greeting the people one time, I went to the car, grabbed the box of candy, and I'm standing right next to him in the foyer of a church that we didn't even uh, belong to. It was just a a friendly church that invited Dad to preach. And I said, do you want to buy any candy? My dad was so embarrassed. He sent me back to the car, put those candies in there. We're not going to sell candy, and, and uh, I, I learned a valuable lesson. Come to find out, I did win the bicycle, but my pastor was the one who bought most of the candy boxes from me. And we uh, wondered why Pastor Morris had all these boxes of candy in his office. He bought all of my candy. And I won the bicycle, and it was too big for me. So we went down to the Woco and got a different bike. And I had that bike for a long time. And it was one of the ones that got stolen when we were up here in New England. But, you know, when you think about doing things that uh, bring glory to the Lord, you don't want to bring something that detracts from the purpose for which God saved us. Selling candy was kind of a turnoff to a lot of people in the foyer we had a guy in one of the churches that my dad pastors it was called harmony bible baptist church and there was neither harmony it was baptist and it was bible but it was there was no harmony in it and um, there was a a barber that was uh, attending the church actually he was a member of the church and he was handing his barbershop cards out after church uh to all the people my dad says no you're not going to do this you're not going to make Uh, my father's house, a den of thieves, if you will. You can't make merchandise on God's people. If people come, that's fine. But uh, you don't want to just be an advertisement for your business uh, at church. And some of the people were trying to get everything that they could from Jesus. And I think that's draining. I, I think of the Son of God coming to bring life eternal for everybody. And here... All people wanted was something from Him. You ever meet somebody that just wants something from you all the time? Anytime you meet them, that's all they want, something from you. And um, I'm not talking about you. I'm not talking about any of you. But there are people in life, that's all they do, is that's all they want, something from you. How can I, how can I step up in my life by getting something from you? And there's, there's people like that. And, and I think we need to make connections. I think we we network in our life. Uh, different people have different uh, capabilities and different abilities and different gifts and talents, and, and, and we network. My sister's very good at networking uh, with her business in Texas, and uh, she, she did some work for uh, she is an esthetician. She did some real hard cement work on somebody's face, and uh, she helped them. She, she worked on their face a little bit. And uh, they needed somebody to work on their pool. And the guy knew, or this lady, it was not a guy, it was a lady that uh, knew somebody that uh, worked on pools and they worked a barter system out and she got her pool fixed and cleaned for free. And so uh, she's good at networking and I think that's uh, there's something to be said there. But somebody just trying to get something for nothing and trying to take advantage of God's people, that's not what we're all about. That's not what Jesus wants us to be about. And here, he's probably wearied from dealing with people all day long. 5,000 people is a lot of people. And now he's he's whittled it down to the 12 and he's trying to teach them something. Um, and a, the Lord calls for every one of those followers to commit to him and to him alone. His call to commitment has an outcome. At least two, that I can see in Scripture, it clarifies His call. You know, His call is different for every person. He's not willing that any should perish. He wants everybody saved. His mission and ministry for those that would follow Him. But the second thing is, it it kind of purifies the ranks of the disciples, effectively weeding out those that are not genuine in their faith. Those that are not committed. Those who aren't serious about the things of the Lord. And so we're living in an hour where many people are walking away from the things of the Lord. They're walking away. They're saying, why bother? It's not worth it. And um, let me tell you, it will be worth it all when we see Jesus. It will be worth it all. No matter what we go through in this life... It will be worth it all. And we have to learn that His way is always the best way. Our way sometimes, it brings trouble, it brings heartache. Even though we may go through heartache and trouble with Jesus' way, but our way sometimes brings more trouble and heartache. And we have to learn to lean on Jesus more than we ever have in the past. And the disciples were kind of weary too. And they're standing around. And Jesus asks, will you also go away? As everybody is just kind of shuffling away from Jesus. And everybody's going their own direction. And just kind of, they're thinking it's hard to serve the Lord or worship or even follow the Lord. And now the Lord looks into the heart of hearts of the disciples. And He says, will you also go away? And Simon Peter, we know him impetuous saying things out of turn and not being the brightest bulb in the bunch, if you will, saying things when he shouldn't, he says something very, very smart. Lord, whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of life. Where are we going to go? If we stop following you, where are we going to go? And the same thing is true for us. Where are we going to go? If we stop serving the Lord, what will we do? Some people will go back to their old lifestyle. That's another message for another time, not tonight. The Bible talks about there's going to be a falling away, 2 Thessalonians 2. And we're told that in the end times, men will have a form of godliness, but deny the power thereof, in 2 Timothy chapter 3. Yet when we see it happen all around us, we are surprised. I dare say we're even shocked. Can't believe that it even happened, but it does happen. And I think the verses uh, shed some light on the problem. It's there are some insights that people make decisions that they uh, concerning their walk with the Lord, and um, not everyone walks away. That's kind of what I want to capitalize on tonight. Not everybody can handle the truth. Uh, this is a commercial. Years ago for a movie, I don't remember what movie, I I don't even know if I saw it. It says, you can't handle the truth. Don't even know, don't even tell me. (laughs) I don't want to know what the movie is. But the idea is, some people can't handle the truth. Some people know the truth. The Bible says, to him who knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. It's wrong. Sometimes there are things in our past that we know are wrong, but we do them anyway. You say, oh well, it's easier to, this is the logic, it's easier to ask for forgiveness than permission. Right? Well, that's not always God's way. That's not always the best way. Uh, to do it God's way, it may it may hurt us for the moment, but it'll be for His benefit in the long run. Not everybody can handle the truth. Now, when this, this chapter unfolds, as we look at it, it becomes increasingly clear that doubt, suspicion, hostility towards the Lord uh, is evident. People don't want to hear what the Lord has to say. They want to do it their way, just like Burger King. Have it your way. They're changing the menu so fast, you can't even keep up with having it your way. You want to have it your way? I'm sorry, we don't do it your way anymore. We're doing it our way, and you'll have to like it that way. And so uh, I heard someone today, now we know this is true, th- they had bought a, uh apple pie from McDonald's, but they didn't eat it, left it in the wrapper, left it in the package, left it in the bag, and two years later, they found it. It smelled the same, it looked the same, and it it probably tasted the same, I don't know. But after two years, and McDonald's brags about they don't use any preservatives. I beg to differ. You know, when it comes to genuine Christianity, we don't use preservatives. We use real, genuine Jesus Christ. Because when He fills your life and your heart and your soul with Him, there's nothing else that can take place inside that that realm. It's all about Him. And what we have to learn to do is be committed to where He's placed us instead of trying to fill our lives with things that we think will satisfy Him. But no, faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. And so as we grow in the Lord, we find out these things are true. Um, But some, if you look in the passage in verse number, let's go back to verse number 15. It says... When Jesus therefore perceived that they would come and take Him by force to make Him a king, He departed again to the mountain Himself alone. What do you think He was doing? Yeah, I would say He was... Uh, oft times He would come apart for a season for prayer. That's why we get together on Wednesday nights, for prayer. We pray for the needs. We bear one another's burdens. We're, we're trying to fulfill the law of Christ. We're trying to be dedicated, committed Christians. But you know, it's tough. The day and age in which we live, there's things fighting against us all the time. Um, it, it seemed when our children were very small, diaper age and younger, about that, well, not much younger than diaper age, but diaper, uh, they were wearing diapers, It seemed like every time we would leave the house, there would be a diaper surprise for church. When we were leaving for church, every single time, something would happen. Every time. And it didn't matter if we changed their feeding schedule. It didn't matter what. It it just happened at that moment in time. Did you know that's how the devil works? Now, I'm not saying our kids were the devil. I'm not saying that at all. But I am saying that the devil will do everything in his power to distract from coming to church. He's used a a virus. The prince in power of the air has put a virus. He just blew this virus out in, and now everybody's in a major panic over this virus. It is a virus. It is controlled by God. God allowed it to happen for a reason, hopefully to get our attention. Now, I think we need to be wise and harmless. Wear your mask, wash your hands. If anything, it's caused us to wash our hands more than we ever have in our lifetime, I dare say. It's caused us to want to clean more than we ever have in our lifetime. It's caused us to want to distance ourselves from some people more than we ever have in our lifetime too. But I think God wants to clean our hearts more than us cleaning our lungs and cleaning our nose and our breathing. I think the Lord wants to get our attention. And if He hasn't gotten our attention yet, I think we're about to be woken and not by some group that's woke. And um, so why the change in chapter number uh, 6 here, verse number 15? And, um, you know, why the change? Jesus told them the truth. They Could not handle the truth. See, it seems like when Jesus teaches, it's very simple. It's simplistic. It's not complicated. We complicate the simple, don't we? Human nature is to complicate the simple. Uh, We we tend to do that. And so He is the only way of salvation. He is superior to Moses and manna, and that's what He's telling them. Salvation was a matter of faith alone. Not by works. Apart from God's intervention, they could not believe. Verse number 44 talks about this. He says, No man can come to me except the Father which hath sent me. Draw him, and I will raise him up at the last day. So when truth is revealed to you, is truth important? Well, I think it is. When truth is revealed to you, uh, we've had people that... um, Truth, the light bulb goes on and truth is revealed to them, but they're still looking for truth. The hardest people to talk to about the Lord, and I'll be honest with you, are people that have gone from church to church to church to church and say, this church believes that, this church practices this, this church believes that, and it's so hard to unravel everything that they're believing because they're so open that their brains have fallen out. Truth does not change when you have truth stop looking for truth when it comes to God there are things in this world that I know Snopes and these other things that are fact checkers and these things that you want to find out the truth of certain things and that's okay truth check that's good but when it comes to God when you've got his word you don't, you don't have to keep searching for other truths that are out there you've got thy word is truth Forever, O oh Lord, thy word is what? Settled in heaven. Stop searching for other truths that could... It's like uh, Leonard Nimoy, Dr. Spock. He, he was in search of all these different things. In search They're wonderful stories. In search of. Now it was Morgan Freeman recently. He was in search of God. And he went all around this globe trying to find the essence of God. They got down to the God particle. The very thing that existed when life began, God spoke it into existence, and boom, the world exploded, and an atom happened, and it grew a tail and was in a sludge pond, and now it began to walk like a man. It takes a lot of faith to believe that. It sounds cool, but I don't know. It sounds like Jurassic Park 4. I kind of like the Jurassic Parks. They're pretty cool. She can't stand them. They're fun to watch, and I've seen them all, and I'm getting scared at the same points. And, you know, I know it's not real, but it's fun to watch. And I think that's how some people view the Bible and Christianity. It's fun, and it's neat when it makes sense, but don't apply it to my life. Wait a minute. Thy word is truth. Uh, thy word... It is settled in heaven. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. I will hide thy word in my heart that I won't sin against thee. So his word is valuable. Thy word is more than my necessary food. I desired it, the prophet said, more than my necessary food. So people receive truth when they see it for what it is, truth. People reject the truth for many reasons. ever wonder why why it's so simple why do why do people reject the truth well some people misunderstand the truth have you ever been misunderstood you ever try to talk to somebody on the phone from another country i mean i've been on the phone for hours at a time for tech support and they can't understand what i'm saying and they don't understand the problem and I'll speak very, very plain English, and they still don't understand my problem. And they'll try to regurgitate what I've told them and tell me what my problem is, and they don't know. And so I'll call back and talk to somebody else who doesn't understand my problem. And I'm on the phone for a long time, and and I'll say, this is useless. I'm going to try to fix it myself. If I can't fix it, I'll get Jason to fix it. That's the bottom line. If it's a technical problem, then that's... If it's a computer, I'll just... If not, I'll just throw it away and start over. But some people misunderstand the truth. They can't quite grasp the purpose for which Jesus came into the world. Why would He come into this world? Oh, it was just to feed the 5,000. It was just to feed the hungry. It was just to heal the blind people and heal the lepers and it was just to heal people. No, 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 no. Jesus said, I come to seek and save that which was lost. And the disciples didn't understand all the parables either. Some people were opposed to the truth. You ever see somebody that's opposed to truth? They don't know why, but they're opposed to truth. And as Jesus revealed Himself and His demands in the passage, the Jews were... Increasing in their opposition to Jesus. Look back in 41. Jews then murmured at Him because He said, I am the bread which came down from heaven. And they said, Is not this Joseph the, or Jesus the son of Joseph whose father and mother we know? How is it then that He saith, I came down from heaven? Jesus therefore answered and said unto them, Murmur not among yourselves. How did He know? Because He's God. Maybe they didn't murmur so low. Now, murmur means what the word says. Murmur. They were murmur, murmur, murmuring. They were murmuring aloud. He could not only read their hearts, but he could hear what they were saying. No man can come unto me except the Father, which has sent him, uh, uh, hath sent me, draw him, and I will raise him up at the last day. And so, some people are opposed to the truth. They don't like the truth. The truth offends. If we say this, Jesus is the only way to heaven, that's offensive. Some people say, no, he's, he's one of many ways. N- no, he says, I'm the only way. Jesus says unto them, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. That's the only way. Not some way, not a way, not any way, the only way. Some people don't like that. Why? Because it's truth. And you can manipulate some things, but you can't change the truth. The truth, the Bible stands like a rock. What's the song? Undaunted. You can't change it. You can't move it. The Bible stands. And so when the Bible says that Jesus is the way, the truth, and life, I have to accept it by faith. And so Jesus designed uh, the cross and the blood of Christ to be offensive. We can either do one or two things when we hear the, the message about the cross. We can get right, trust the Lord as Savior, accept Jesus as our Savior, His cleansing blood cleanses us from all sin, or we can get mad and walk away from it. Some people are blind to it. I call it willfully blind, willfully ignorant. And um, all the way through the passage, the Jews had the same approach to Jesus. Show us and we'll believe. Just show us. Well, what happened at the beginning? The 5,000 were fed. Didn't they believe them? Just show us. No, we want to see something else. It's like this. What have you done for me lately, Jesus? What have you done for me lately? Oh, that was, that was yesterday. I, w- I want to see you do something today. And that's how some people approach it. They're willfully blind to it. And um, they already saw him feed the 5,000 with five loaves of bread and two chickens. No, that's Chick fil A. I'm sorry. And two fish. He, he fed 5,000 after he was praying. He's breaking the bread, breaking the fish. And, and the Bible says on one occasion they took up 12 baskets full. Not just little baskets. <laughs> just these little little tiny baskets, 12 of them. Now I think they were probably pretty good sized baskets full. Of the leftovers. Everybody got fed more than enough. And so some people are blind to it, um, and some people want to experience, but not the expectation. They want the experience, but not the expectation. I want to have an experience with Jesus, but I don't want to be expected to do anything. Um, These people were following Jesus because He had satisfied their flesh, uh, their appetites, and they wanted more of the same. What's He going to do next? Pen and teller. Jesus is going to do something great. He's going to be like Siegfried and what's the other one? The the magicians. Siegfried and Roy, whatever, without getting eaten by a tiger. We don't know white tigers. I know they bit one of them. Uh, you know, what's Jesus going to do next? And that's what some people are following. What's going to happen at church tonight? Oh, watch me pull a rabbit out of my hat. No, Jesus is going to touch a heart. Jesus is going to touch our heart, and um, but we have to follow. We have to be committed to Him, and He's going to show us something great uh, as we serve Him. And so uh, they wanted to see Jesus prove, prove it. You ever, you ever meet somebody that says prove it? When we were kids, they would say that all the time. Prove it. My dad's bigger than your dad. Prove it. My dad can beat up your dad. Prove it. used to think that show me state, uh, I, I used to think it was Shoney's. They had enough Shonies in Missouri. It was the Shoney state, but it's the show me state. Because prove it. That's kind of their attitude in, in Missouri, the state of misery. Prove it. Prove it to me. Show me. And, well, that's what they were saying to Jesus. Prove it to me. If you're greater than Moses, if you're bigger than anything else, prove it to us. And they weren't accepting what he had already done. See, that's the problem. People discount all the stuff that Jesus has done in the past and they want nothing to do with it. And they say, what has Jesus done lately? Well, I think he's preserved this earth for such a time as this. He's preserved our life. For such a time as this, and Christians should rise up. Now is the time to rise up. People want experience. You ever? How many of you have ever ridden a roller coaster, at least once? Yeah, <laughs> both hands. There came a time where I stopped riding roller coasters. Not that I don't like them. But they intimidate you. Are you sure you want to ride this? Uh, Yeah, I got in line and waited an hour to ride this Hulk of a roller coaster. Forty-five minutes we waited to ride that six-second ride. What a waste of time. I got in line at Six Flags, and we we rode um, the one that's called the Mind Eraser. It ruined the rest of my day. I was working with the young people here at the church at the time, and we took the young people. Actually, I was just being a good pastor and taking the young people to Six Flags, and we, that was the first ride we rode. Walked in the gate, mind erasers right around the corner there. Oh, this is good. I'm big enough. I'm old enough. I'm taller than the line. So, get on this thing. It ruined the rest of that day. Oh, it was terrible. I'm not as young as I used to be. But I had an experience. You know, a lot of people are looking at Jesus that way. I just want an experience with Jesus. Unless, I've had a guy tell me one time unless I come up out of the water and see a uh, skylight uh, and see the sunlight and clouds, I don't want to get baptized. And I thought, I'll put a skylight in for you. And they wanted the experience without really following Jesus. And a lot of times that's what people are following Jesus to get what they can from Him. I want the experience. Hey, did you see what Jesus did? Zacchaeus, can you imagine? He was up in the tree. He was looking for Jesus because He was going to pass that way. And He was looking for an experience. And He wasn't expecting Jesus to come to His dwelling that day. But He did. Zacchaeus, come down for I'm going to your house today. Zacchaeus found the Lord, although he wasn't looking for him that way. Many people are looking for something, and um, Jesus began to talk about his expectations, and he issued a call for commitment. They turned away from him. His disciples turned away from him. They walked away. You know, they wanted to be carried away in the excitement of the moment with no commitment. The same mentalities developed within the church, it seems. There are many today who want a religious experience with no expectation. I just want to be lost in the crowd. Now, unfortunately, I know all your names. There's been people over the years, and I've been pastoring. How long have I been pastoring? Almost 20 years. So, uh, there have been people who have told me, oh yeah, I go to that church. And I'll say, well, I'm the pastor there. I don't even know you. Yeah, I'm a member there. You are. No, you're not. And people try to buffalo their way. They just want the experience and, and get lost in the crowd. Remember the woman who just touched, if I can just touch the hem of his garment? She was lost in the crowd. She was just following along and then all of a sudden, she said, if I can just get close enough and touch the hem of his garment, she was that. She spent everything she had on doctors. She was not well at all. She had an issue of blood for 12 years. She couldn't be healed, humanly speaking. But she thought in her mind, if I can get close enough to Jesus to just touch his, Him, and as soon as she did, Jesus knew something was different because of her own faith. And she confessed... Yes, it was me. I touched you. Yes, it was me. And Jesus did a miracle that day uh, of no small feat, uh, no small uh, thing for that woman. It was something that changed her life from that point forward. Your encounter with Jesus Christ should be different from the time that you meet him forward. Peter, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. It changed his life. Although he did have poles of the world, he did go back. I go fishing at times. But every time he did, there was conviction that set in, right? So, not everybody can handle the truth. Sometimes the truth is tough, is it not? Sometimes the truth makes demands upon our lives, and it's brutal, and it seems unfeeling, but the truth is always true. It's always right, and it's always perfect. Not everybody can handle the truth, can they? Can you? Hopefully you can. Everyone lives in glass houses. Look in verse number 64. You've got to hurry. But there are some of you that believe not, for Jesus knew from the beginning who they were that believed not, and who should betray Him. Imagine him looking directly into the faces of those that would betray him and saying, some of you don't believe. Some of you don't believe. Boy, that's a tough truth to swallow. Everyone lives in a glass house. Now, uh, regardless of what they may think, we can hide nothing from the glare and the glaze of the Lord's eyes. He looks and sees beyond what we see. There's a song that says, let me see this world, dear Lord, through your eyes. Sometimes we only see it through rose-colored glasses where things are wonderful. And things can be wonderful, but I think when we look through God's eyes, oh, it's full of sin. Everybody needs a Savior. Christians need to be reconciled back to the Lord and drawn to His heart. And even unsaved people need to be convicted of their own sin the Lord looks at our lives does He see something that needs to be changed or does He see a life that wants experiences but lacks commitment yeah we live in a glass house I can't see into your heart we have facades up sometimes we're like the old western towns they look good on the outside but behind them there's no support there's no house there's nothing it's a ghost town it's a pretend thing can't see your heart but God can and so he looks carefully at our heart and I I think that you know genuine faith cannot walk away genuine faith cannot walk away when the disciples are asked by Jesus that they too will leave him Peter answers for the group and I think it's important that we understand Peter's response where where are we going to go Lord where are we going to go you have the words of life. People are looking more for experiences than anything else. And we have to get back to what's important to us. See, church isn't really important to some people and they don't even realize it's back open. We can, we can, It's okay to go to church. I'm going to keep saying that. It's okay to go to church. It's okay to come to church and fellowship. It's okay to share our burdens and our prayer requests it's okay to talk to the lord it's okay to pray it's okay to go to church but some people say no uh, oh that's where that's where those viruses come from church you look at a majority of the breakouts of the virus when people are partying on campus on these college campuses And you think, well, why is it wrong to go to church? Why why is it wrong? I think if we're being cautious and and we're being obedient, and we've got our stickers and our hands are clean and faces are covered and we're obeying the rules, and yet we'll go to the, the beach where the sharks and the jellyfish are. No masks. Sturgis. And only a few people uh, got affected by it. And, I mean, it's it's just amazing that this has, has a stranglehold on the world. It's okay to go to church. Because one of these days they're going to say it's illegal, as they are in California. It's illegal. It, they're up to $60,000 fines so far for just going to church. Sixty thousand dollars they can't have Sunday school, they can't run their buses, they can't uh have their college or their Christian school. they can't sing. they've been fined. woe is them? They're in god's in trouble with God, not with man and it's it's a dangerous place to be there because when the judgment of God falls, it's going to fall hard. I've seen it too many times and seen what God does. But I've also seen Him reward people for obedience. And what we have to learn to do is be obedient in spite of the circumstance. Will you also go away? Hopefully not. Well, Peter said it right. To whom shall we go? You have the words of life. This is where we want to be. And Jesus even said it at that time. There's one of you that's a devil. There's one of you that's going to betray me. Well, that's there's 11 of us that don't want to betray you, Lord. <laughs> and so there's, there's so much that we can learn, but uh, Jesus, there are some that don't go away. There are some that won't go away. There's some that want to stay close to the Lord, and I think that's the key. The closer we are to the Lord, the more we hear His voice, the more we understand the commitment is real. And uh, revival doesn't come in a in a motorhome. Although he brings a great message and Miss Pam sings a great song, but revival comes from the Lord. And once we realize revival is sent by the Lord, boy, we'll, we'll want others to have what we have. And so let's pray. Father, we do thank You for Your goodness. We do thank You that we can come into Your house on a Wednesday night and uh, be encouraged by Your Word, guide and direct in our time of prayer this evening, and uh, Lord, if there's anyone that uh, has some special needs, as we've already mentioned, uh, Lord, we just want you to be lifted up and glorified. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen.